We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. There was a tremendous upset in Tuesday's election here when Wesley Bell defeated Bob McCullough in the St. Louis County Prosecuting Attorney's primary race. There's no opposition in November, so Bell gets the job. He's an attorney, municipal court prosecutor, a Ferguson City Councilman, and former public defender. And he's with us in studio. Wesley Bell, congratulations. Thank you so much, and and thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to, to be on here with you. Well, you surprised a lot of people. Did you surprise yourself? You know, I, and, and as I was kind of mentioning before, um, you know, I've been in this bubble with my staff and, and supporters where for the last six months or so we have been, we were determined and we, and, and our mind was made up that we were going to mm-hmm. win this election. And and so that was the approach that we took. And, um, and as our supporters started to build and the momentum started to, uh, build it, it for us. It seemed inevitable, but you know now on the other side, looking at it with a little bit of perspective and a little bit of sleep, I, I do get it. I, I, I get it. I can see why um, it, it is a, uh, a surprising and, and, and a big upset. How much of an impact do you think your advocacy in the Ferguson story had to do with your win? Um, I mean, obviously, there had it had to contribute in some ways, but in some ways, it, in, there's two sides of that coin, um, and and there's no way to tell if there were some voters who may have thought associated me um, in a negative light, and but um, it, it appears that um, it, it it seemed to be positive. But um, there, after um, Ferguson became Ferguson, if you will, and and obviously we're on on the uh, anniversary of of Michael Brown being killed. Uh, there has been more of an awareness for the need of, mm-hmm. to, for criminal justice reform and issuing and addressing issues such as mass incarceration, and so I do think that that plays a role because as we are pushing our message uh, on on addressing those issues and expanding diversionary programs, and that gave us a boost as far as the platform because now more people understood and had a better foundation of what these issues were. And so when we started talking more high level, people got it. The light came on. The electorate in St. Louis County, though, is largely white. I wonder if there's a message in that. I mean, you won by, what, 14, 15 percentage points. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Don, and we, you know, since since I started in the politics and just as a mantra through life, I, I believe in um, inclusion and working with people. Um and and so we ran on a campaign of bringing people together, and we stuck to that. We weren't going to start with the positive of the negative and mudslinging. We weren't going to do that. We were going to keep it positive, and um, win or lose, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, stand by that. And so um, so I was really I was very uh, I expected it to be uh, for our supporters to be diverse, um, but I was also very pleasantly um, surprised even more pleasantly surprised at the amount of diverse support all over St. Louis County that, that we received. Have you, I don't know if you were able to hear the previous segment talking about the Forward Through Ferguson report. Have you had a chance to look at that and all the excitement and turmoil the last couple of days? And if, if so, what do you think of what they've come up with? I haven't been able to 
focus that we've you know since the election well sure. first you know the election Tuesday and then since then um, interviews and, and and things of that nature and again no sleep um, and so um, um, over the next day or two I'll start to be able to decompress a little bit and kind of catch up on what's going on. Basically, what uh, what they've come up with is the fact that uh, of the Ferguson Commission recommendations and priorities, mm, okay. they were looking at 49 of them, and only five have been implemented since Michael Brown's shooting four years ago today. That's 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 a pretty small number. Yeah, and and I mean that just shows uh, that the the fight must go on um, if we're going to address these issues, criminal justice reforms, making sure that our our courts are. Um, are treating everyone fairly, and making sure that our, our law enforcement, uh, that we're practicing community policing and getting out into our communities and making sure that um, based on your zip code or your economic status that you're not more likely to see the inside of a jail. I mean, that, that's, that's the charge. And, but I think there's a lot of people, and I think Tuesday's show, there's a lot of people that are in the fight with us, and, and I think we have to look at this regionally, and that's the only way we're going to move forward. Well, some of the things that you've talked about and talked about a lot concerns uh, the death penalty and cash bail and that sort of things. You've already alluded to that. Uh, I, my understanding is you, you will not seek the death penalty in, in any cases that would come before the, your office. Is that correct? Well, two things that we know about the death penalty is that uh, it is given disproportionately to African-Americans and poor people. And um, it has shown that it is not a deterrent, um, and it costs taxpayers um, an estimated 2 to $3 million more. Um, and so, yeah, my office will not seek the death penalty. Now, having said that, those who commit um, the, and we're talking about murder in the first mm-hmm. degree, um, they should, if, if found guilty, they should go to jail without any possibility mm-hmm. of ever seeing the light of day. And the cash bail situation is one that's been talked about uh, certainly for the last four years with, with some volume. Uh, are you, as a prosecuting attorney, are you going to be able to, to impact uh, this at all in, in your job? Do you have the authority to change it? Well, well first I want to make sure because Politics sometimes things get misrepresented. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we know that that's politics and that's how it works. And so what we're talking about is reforming cash bail with respect to nonviolent offenders. Um, obviously, violent offenders have to be held accountable, and that's a different ball game that we're not talking about at this moment. So with cash bail for nonviolent offenders, we're talking about um, bail is supposed to ensure that someone appears um, in court throughout the trial not for punitive purposes. And what happens is that the murderer with means is able to go free while the drug offender who poses no threat to anyone can't afford to pay the $1,500 bond. They lose their job because most of us don't have jobs that are waiting for you if you don't show up for two weeks or two months. Um, You can lose your housing. A single mother, single parent can lose their children. And for a case that they are um, substantially likely to receive probation for anyway. So why are we incarcerating uh, these individuals? So um, the judge, the judges do have uh, the final say on on bond. However, um, the prosecutor, the prosecutor's office does have an impact. I've been practicing for 17 years, and um, I've uh, presented or argued many bond motions. And when the prosecutor agrees, I don't think that there's been one time that the judge didn't. Um, also sign off. Now, when the prosecutor disagrees, I haven't had I've had very few that um, didn't go in the prosecutor's favor. 
But at the same time, there are a lot of good judges in St. Louis County. And what we're going to do is just just what we've been doing uh, that I've been doing throughout my career is we're going to meet with them. We're going to talk to them. We're going to hear their ideas. We're going to share our ideas and we're going to work together to do what's best for St. Louis County. You were portrayed during the campaign as a man with uh, with little experience. You've just alluded to 17 years (laughs) experience. Um, Talk about that a little bit. I mean, you were a public defender at one Mm -hmm. time. That's experience, and it would seem to me that it's it's not uh, uh, too difficult to pivot to go from public defender to prosecutor. I mean, you're in court and you're dealing with uh, issues. Well, I started practicing in 2001, so even in law school, I interned at the public defender's office, and from 2001 to 2003, I worked under uh, a mentor of mine, Robert Steele, who was the special public defender, so I worked in the special public defender's office, and so we handled cases throughout the region, so I got a chance to try a lot of cases and handle a lot of cases in St. Louis County as well as St. Louis City and even regionally. And so in 2003, I opened my practice and I started uh, doing primarily defense work, trial work. And so I tried a lot of cases. Um, and then um, I began, um, um, I, I was given the honor of serving as a, as a municipal court judge. Mm-hmm. I currently serve as a municipal court prosecutor and I hit the criminal justice department at St. Louis Community College. And so I've seen the criminal justice system from all sides. Um, and, and I think that that experience, um, as well as my legislative experience on the council, will only benefit um, that office. Uh, but again, I intend to have the best and brightest around me. There's a lot of good attorneys in that office now. And, and I think uh, a change of culture will, will, will benefit St. Louis County and keep us safer. Well, yeah, you mentioned the staff uh, now. I guess uh, I hadn't even thought about that, mm-hmm. but they must be wondering, what is this guy Wesley Bell going to be like? Shall we stay? Shall we leave? Uh, we've been with this other guy for 28 years. Uh, you're going to have to go in there and uh, get acquainted with a lot of people very quickly. Well, many know me. Um, not all of them, obviously, but um, I've I've worked with a few of them, but I know several in that office. And so I'm sure days after the election, there's some uncertainty there. But um, what we intend to do is make sure that um, our office is the best trained. Uh, we're going to set clear expectations and give everyone an opportunity to to, to to push in this in the same direction because I think these are things again that will make us safer but also help people and I think there there's a, a really good opportunity we have a really unique opportunity um, to change our justice system for the better particularly from the prosecutor's office but as I've always preached and will continue to preach it's going to take working together mm-hmm. I, I want to go back to your time as a public defender if I okay. can and ask how that how you think that will inform your performance as a prosecutor as a public defender, uh, now, you know, I was a younger guy <laughs> back then. I was 17 years, or so 15 years ago when I left. Uh, but one thing that I will always take from that, uh, from that job is that I got a chance to focus on the art of being an attorney. I didn't have to worry about collecting, um, collecting um, money from clients. I didn't have to worry about the business side as I did when I had to open my practice. I got to focus on trying cases. And um, and so I think that 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 experience now with my managerial sp- experience at the, at the college and my office, my, my, my law office, I think that gives me experience right there in the trenches, trying tough cases, uh, but also perspective. I think it gives uh, perspective with respect to how um, – how my how my decisions as county prosecutor will impact not only individuals charged but victims mm-hmm. and and the need to make sure that victims are treated with dignity and respect and informed um, and so I think that 
having the experience of administering justice as a judge will play into that. Administering it as a prosecutor on the municipal level will play into that, but also as a public defender and defense attorney, just giving perspective on the on the justice system from all angles. Have you learned anything, do you think, from Kim Gardner's experience in the city? She's had, she's had some critics during the first year. She's gone through some very interesting times with the whole Greitens thing and what have you. Uh, but criticism for her lack of experience. Do you see anything there that will be helpful to you? Well, I, I always try to learn from every um, situation. So I've, I've, I've paid attention to uh, Kim, and, 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 and I think that, you know, transition is, is, is often going to be tough. And, and, and so there's always things that, um, that we can improve. I think that she's uh, doing uh, the best that she, you know, I think she's doing a, a good job overall. I think she's starting to put some things together, but it's always going to, you know, and I'll say this, Don, everyone has a day one. Um, and none of us are going to be as good uh, as 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 we are day two hundred, day two thousand. And so I think that we have to give her a chance. That's a tough job, and so um, um, you know we'll we'll learn from others' mistakes and others' uh, successes as well. Um, so, but looking forward to getting hitting the ground running. Bob McCullough had a pretty good relationship with the county executive just reelected, Steve Stinger. Uh, what's your relationship with him? Um, my relationship's always been professional with him. Um, um, I have good relationships on that council as well. Um, 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 Councilwoman Gray, uh, my my friend Councilwoman Irby, who su- who supported me, um, and and, and uh, Lisa Clancy, who's now mm-hmm. on the council. And so I look forward to working with all of them. Again, what we're talking about when we talk about expanding diversionary programs and things of that nature, when we look at the opioid crisis, I think that's something we all can get behind. That literally addressing that issue literally saves lives and saves families. So uh, I think that the conversations that I've had with them, they'll be on board with a lot of the things that we're doing. I'm not sure everybody in the listening audience understands what the diversionary programs are. Thank you for asking that. (laughs) Um, So diversionary programs are programs that divert people from the formal criminal justice process. In other words, instead of um, charging someone you say, hey, this is a, this nonviolent offender, instead of giving them a conviction, we're going to have them do drug treatment. We know that 80 to 85 percent of individuals who come in contact with the justice system are in need of drug treatment or mental health treatment. And so instead of trying to prosecute our way out of addiction and mental health, we're going to start offering programs for nonviolent offenders. Again, we're not talking about violent offenders. We're going to start offering these programs for nonviolent offenders so that they can get the treatment that they need because mm-hmm. research is clear. Uh, our biggest demographic of offenders are reoffenders, and when we give nonviolent offenders the type of treatment that they need, they are significantly less likely to reoffend, and that keeps us all safer. It saves us taxpayer dollars because it's significantly less than incarceration for nonviolent offenders. But again, most importantly, it helps people. Yes, yeah, the old story of the uh, of, of the jail or the prison being a graduate school for uh, for young people or anybody who's a uh, being put behind bars. And it's unfortunate that every one of us listening understands that analogy mm-hmm. because it tends to be true. And so we have to make sure that we are giving people the tools they need in the toolbox to be better citizens, to be able to help their families, to be taxpaying citizens. Sure. We have a a, 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 a writer, Madonna from Crestwood, writing, uh, your plans will impact your conviction rate. While your programs may result in excellent outcomes, how do you plan to counteract the inevitable criticism that your office is less effective if your conviction rate falls? Uh, 
education, public engagement. I think that I, when I ran, I ran on a platform that we were not going to be um, all consumed with conviction rates because that's why we see our, our diversionary programs um, operating at the lowest levels in the state because oftentimes what we find across the country is that with prosecutors, drug possession cases, that's low-hanging fruit. It's easy to get a victory because, or easy to get a conviction because oftentimes the only witness is an officer and someone's thinking, okay, the jury or the judge is, go- is not going to believe me over an officer. So you get a quick conviction, easy probation, and so it makes your stats look good. But what, I, what I'm more concerned with is what are our crime rates, but what are our recidivism rates? Mm-hmm. Our recidivism rates currently are at 75%. So that means three out of four people who are coming through our justice system are reoffending. And so I would compare a 90-plus percent conviction rate over a 75% reoffender rate. That's not effective. And so, yeah, what, so what we have to do is we have to educate people, because I think this is an excellent question. We have to educate people, let them know what we're, what we're trying to do so that there's buy-in from our community at large. And so when the elect, next election cycle comes up and, and you see that we're helping people, we're, we're treating more people, our crime rates are going down, um, um, and, 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 and that's how I think we, we, we effectively counteract those political arguments. That will be will. a more appealing stat for you, you think? I, I, I think so. Very quickly, we only have a minute left. Aaron on Twitter says, Missouri reimburses local municipalities if individuals are found to be guilty. There's a lot of incentive for, for those guilty verdicts. That is so true. That is so true. And, and, and that's why it's important to elect people who are um, not going to um, continue that, that, those types of uh, things that, um, that contribute to mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. Now, Texas is a great example. Texas, shockingly, has implemented some of uh, many diversionary programs and things of this nature. And as a result, they, they started having jails that weren't being used. So well, you know what they did? They started using them as treatment s- mm-hmm. facilities. And so if we get to that point in Missouri where we're not, we don't need a lot of these jails, I think that'll be a good problem. Um, and and and, I, and I'll take that as a uh, as showing that we've made some progress and save a lot of money in the <laughs> and save in, a in lot the of money for taxpayers. Wesley Bell, thank you so much for being with us. Congratulations once again on your win uh, earlier this week. Uh, a big week for you and a big week for St. Louis County as well. Thank you so much, Don. It is always a pleasure to be on on uh, in, in an interview with the ledge one of the legends. <laughs> and, uh, well, well, so, that, thank you. For thanks a, for a, a legend in my own mind. Thank you very much. <laughs> and a lot of p- others' we- minds, too. Wesley Bell. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air, production of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.